Let's start again. Yes. <laughs> yes. I feel, like the, I feel like Izzy needs to make up a dance list or something. But where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm doing such a mum dance with my hands just in the air. There we go. You we know, played... sometimes, sometimes I just I hear that jingle in my head several times throughout the day. Do you? It's just, yeah, just I sing around. it to myself all the time. Oh, I, I have more in my head. How Asian are you? To be honest. Oh yeah, that one too. <laughs> yeah. Well, so welcome, Mayan and Charlie, to the podcast. But where are you from? Hello, hello. Yay, <laughs> yay. So we're going to start off with a very easy question. But where are you from? I need to I need to start the podcast with this because um, I feel like I've only started doing this for like one person, but it actually makes sense to start with this question. So, Mayan, do you want to start with you? Where are you from? That is the most <laughs> loaded, <laughs> complicated question. Um, where am I from? I am from London. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm from Southeast London, to be specific. Um, but I was born in Hong Kong. But yeah, I normally I tell people this. I'm from London. Oh, I was yeah. about to say, you're just dropping that one. <laughs> How did you not know no, that? No, 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 I did know this. Sorry, I did know this. this. I've sent you guys pictures of me in in... You know, all of my childhood pictures, they're yeah. in, in Hong Kong. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. That, actually, the one of me on the BCM website is me on a Hong Kong junk. Oh, I love that. When I was really wee. Mm. Um, yeah, and I was born in Hong Kong, but I uh, grew up in London. Um, and, but it's, it's quite hard to say. I mean, I always say I'm from London, but I actually mm. have never lived in London as an adult. I haven't lived in London for about 12 or 13 years. Mm. So I moved to Scotland. Um, when I left home and I've been living in Senegal for the past five years. But yeah, I am a Londoner. My dad was English. My mum is Vietnamese. So I suppose you could say I am a, an Anglo-Vietnamese Londoner. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And that's how you identify Anglo-Vietnamese Londoner. It's a mouthful, isn't it? I know. <laughs> Even if you add in Anglo-Vietnamese Londoner turned Edinburgh, but Edinburgh, I think that's what you call them. I don't know. No, no one no one who lives in Edinburgh actually says that I don't think so. Just you. Amazing. And what about you, Charlie? Um, I am from Manchester, but my dad is from Brunei originally, but like Chinese Bruneian. Um and my mum is from the really glamorous place of Farmworth. So if anyone lives <laughs> up north and you know Farmworth, she'll hate me. If she would if she listens to this, she'll be like, I'm not from Farmworth. But um, basically, she's from Bolton, but now I live in Bolton as well. Amazing, amazing. It is amazing, isn't it? How, like, I have, I've always had this view because I didn't have, like, my community of people. Like, everyone was like me. Like, if you look East or Southeast Asian, then your parents are from Hong Kong, you owned a takeaway, and that was it. And then meeting you, both of you, and everyone else within the B scene group and EVR group and everything, just realizing how just varied we are and how different and diverse our communities are it's really really nice and it's been really really eye-opening for me especially to realize oh actually I've missed out within this podcast myself so much of the conversation when it comes to other east and southeast asian people within uh, who identify as british or, or or live in the uk it's very quite special yeah but it's been really nice like because I never grew up in a takeaway um mm. my dad 
works in China and has worked in China for a long time, but he does like import and export. So for me to hear like your podcast and hear about all the takeaway life, like I really enjoyed that. So don't take away from that. <laughs> yeah, that was a really, a really big insight for me as well. Mm. And because I, yeah, I, I think I always feel like I had quite um quite a white British upbringing. Mm. And I think like all three of us, this whole year has been a, an amazing kind of journey in finding a new community and finding people who had upbringings like ours, similar to ours or completely different to ours, but who kind of understand where we're coming from. And part of me is amazed and so happy that this has happened. But another part of me is just like, well, why didn't I do that earlier? Mm, yeah. <laughs> why hasn't, you know, I feel like there's this whole part of my life, and, but maybe I wouldn't be who I am today if that other part of my life hadn't happened, yeah. um, which has been, you know, amazing. And I've got so many people in my life, but it's really cool to have more of a, a community of East and Southeast Asian mm. pals. Did either of you yeah. have many um, East or Southeast Asian pals before before we kind of formed as BC? So yeah, just to introduce who we who how we know each other, we we form fifty percent of BC. <laughs> Can't see me if you're on the listening to the podcast, but I'm Do. doing double peace sign. Double peace sign. <laughs> Yeah, so did you um, as Asian as I get? Did you did you have many <laughs> did you have many Asian friends? Um in a word, no. I grew up in a very well, I've always lived in England basically, other than a small stint where I didn't, but that was like in my later life. But like from when I was younger, I've always lived in a very white community. I went to school with white Christians. I was the only non-white person basically minus maybe one black person mm-hmm. um in my year group so i've always um you know just had friends around me that were all white so it's been really nice to find like you say that community of people who you look like and who you can relate to on a different level um, and i'm really grateful for that i had not really. Mm. I had, a, I mean, I had a few um, in school. I had a few friends who were also dual heritage, mixed ethnicity, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, I had a couple of friends who were half Chinese. Have a friend who's half Thai, um, but mostly, I mean, I went to school in South London, so it was quite diverse. So mostly, my friends were white, South Asian, black, mixed race. But yeah, so mm. not not an overwhelmingly ESEA experience. Yeah, um, I think we've talked about this quite a lot, but I'm pretty much the same in the sense that I think I, I had like the family, I had that aspect, but in terms of kind of like people who, we just were so different in so many ways, but yet we came together through just this like united cause and we understand each other without even having to explain where we're from or anything like when in the in the uh, whatsapp group that we're all in which is amazing <laughs> not to make anyone lit. Feel so lit. It's, so lit. it's so lit <laughs> um we talk Skull a lot about emerging. like the annoyances in our lives or like little microaggressions that happen and we just completely get it and are so empathetic towards each other because we all mm. somehow have been through that in some way and i think that is really special in itself that we we just yeah. have this understanding don't we? Yeah. Do you know what I also really like about the WhatsApp group is that it's been a space to kind of reevaluate lots of stuff that happened in your life or growing up that you never really thought about. And actually you realize that that's been a kind of an important part of your 
identity or your the way that you feel about yourself is obviously it's made up of lots of things that happened to you in your childhood mm. so everything from kind of serious questions but also to I don't know oh did anyone else have this in their house growing up or you know <laughs> did anyone's parents used to do this and that's been a really nice way of you know uh, yeah, of, of yeah discovering stuff about... about each other because what was it the, the blue the bottoms yeah oh, the blue bottoms the so blue bottoms and you know what I had completely <laughs> Right. Okay. Um, so, for all of those who don't know, Asian babies are born with blue bums. <laughs> not all Asian babies, and I think it might be only East and Southeast Asians. I'm not sure if this is a South Asian thing. Um, so, if there are any South Asian listeners, please let us know. Yeah. Uh, but when I was a kid, my mum always told me that I was born with a blue bum, and that it was a thing that all Asian babies had. And I kind of just, you know, assumed when you you know your mum tells you something and you yeah. believe it so I just <laughs> believed my entire and I remember telling kids really proudly like I had a blue bum uh, <laughs> and in the in the playground and then just I think I must have put it to the back of my brain all throughout adulthood and I just remembered it recently uh, and mentioned it in the whatsapp group and I just thought right oh hang on a minute guys I need to ask you something but I'm worried that it's a big joke <laughs> that my mum's been <laughs> rolling me for over 30 years but did anyone else have a blue bum and there was this moment where I think it was like Carly and Charlie both went no what and I, I thought like, you were oh, joking God. no and I really thought for a minute that my mum had just played the biggest the, the biggest prank on yeah. me ever <laughs> yeah. and then everyone texted their mums to say did I have a blue bum and then I was vindicated because yeah. What, Charlie, you had a blue. Yeah. You had a blue. What, what did your mum say it was called? Well. A fairy kick. Yeah. So and Charlie had. Like Carly that. had one. Yeah. And Amy said that Robin had one. And mm-hmm. Robin's uh, Robin's half white like me as well. Yeah. So I felt I felt so connected. Yeah. And then I asked my mum. She was Poor like, Yeah. Crew. Yeah. Asian babies have blue yeah. bums. She just said it so matter of fact. I was like, Why have you never told me this? Like, why? Why Isn't have I not known wild? this? Wild. It is wild. And there must like, be someone who knows why this is. There must be a reason. I'm sure I was just but, yeah, absolutely I'm sure blown away by this. So that's so, the kind of thing we talk about. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know where all the other blue bummed kids are. <laughs> if you are listening, to be clear, we don't still have blue bums. No, last time I checked, my bum was not blue. I did have a look this morning. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's like a routine. No, <laughs> when I got dressed blue? this morning, I looked in the mirror. As far as I'm aware, nothing was blue. So, so we talk about Good stuff like that. What's the stuff about the spoons? What's that? Oh, Charlie knew exactly what I was talking about. The, you know, when you're cooking and you don't want to put the spoon or the ladle or the chopsticks or whatever down directly on the counter. Mm. And there's like a big spoon. It's like a flat, almost like a tile shaped like a spoon or just a flat thing. And I didn't know what it was called. And I said it in the WhatsApp group. And then immediately Charlie comes back with this picture that her dad sent her of this like giant flat spoon. She knew what I was talking about. I knew, yeah. She I don't knew. have one in my house because I don't cook. Oh, I, don't have I, I was either. like, no, I know who's got one. My dad has one. So. But I, don't, I don't even have a toaster, so. Yeah. I think that's good, though. I couldn't live without my toaster. I have toast toasted something most days before work. Oh, I have toast every morning. You just put it in the oven? Yeah. It's just oh, such an effort, effort though, isn't it? <laughs> No, we live in 2020. I've not got time for that. Do you put it on the grill function or do you put it in the actual? Oh no, my grill doesn't work. So you just have to literally wait for the oven to preheat, pop the toast in. Oh, I just, 
whack the toast in the uh, take the take the bread out of the freezer put it on a tray stick it in the lit oven and then <laughs> set a timer for five minutes and then i come back and it's done but does that yeah. make it to like toasty toast or is that just like yeah 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 if you put it on a, a metal like you know like a yeah. like a metal baking tray because it's metal like the the heat is conducted yeah i don't know it, it science it. science Trust. yeah I'll because science <laughs> because you science Oh no, no. <laughs> I don't turn my oven on, so So Charlie, how do you how do you survive? Because you know you live by yourself, so how do you what do you eat like on a day to day basis? Crumpets. Nice. Oh, I crumpet. love a crumpet. <laughs> yeah. Um takeaways. I eat out a lot when coronavirus isn't rampant oh. and I'm not in lockdown mm. um, I go to my grand's a lot and she cooks for me because she's a very good cook mm. um, and if I'm not at my grand's I also go to my dad's who is also a very good cook mm. so basically I just go anywhere else where someone else will feed me and if all else fails I'll eat crumpets <laughs> <laughs> this is a good tactic I, I think I'll be cooking for myself when I move out because my aunt, you asked me, you're like, are you going to be, are you going to be okay? I was worried about you. <laughs> you're worried about me because my mom just cooks me all the time. But I was like, no guys, I'll be fine. I know how to cook. I just, I just don't because my mom does it all. You're out of the all. habit. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm completely out of the habit, but I'm going to have to try to fit that back into my routine, which I'm looking forward to actually just being in control of like what I eat and, and yeah. when, because my mom eats at 5pm yeah. every day. 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Oh my god, I eat That's at like, like 9, 9.30. Yeah, she, she's trying to, I think she's trying to fast in the evenings or something. So she'll just eat at five and then she just won't eat anything. So I did that yesterday with her and then I end up snacking so much until 10 p.m. So it just didn't work for me. <laughs> I think it really depends on like how you, how you structure your day and the kind of person you are. Like I don't yeah. eat before 12, usually 12, 1. Do so I think I do what your mum does, but maybe the other way around. Like uh... I, I have my first meal about 12 and then I eat until like basically 12 mm. till 10 is my eating window do you not feel hungry in the morning when you wake up oh my god i'm ravenous in the morning absolutely ravenous <laughs> no i'm just uh i think i used to be a really big breakfast person mm. it's just it's just what you get used to isn't it but yeah. i always have like when i wake up my eyes open slowly and <laughs> Oh, sorry. This is so annoying for anyone else who's not in on this joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. This is like the most it's annoying going in the podcast. <laughs> it doesn't matter because no one's gonna know what we're talking about. But we're so sorry, listeners, my... <laughs> because like I hate it when people go in joke. So sorry. Okay. But that isn't when a joke. I <laughs> no, it's the first thing that I think of in the morning when I open my eyes is coffee. That's like I have to, mm. and for me, that the coffee is such a ritual in the morning. You know, mm. I don't know if either of you are coffee drinkers or if you have yeah. a specific thing in the morning that you have to do. Yeah. But for me, when I have my coffee in the morning, it's like it's like my soul has been awoken. Mm. I have a decaf oat milk latte, so it's more the placebo you are effect. Such a wanker! <laughs> I'm such a hipster wanker. Very I know. I can't help it. I don't drink decaf, and I don't really drink that much dairy, so. There we go. That's why intolerant, isn't it? And I'm sensitive to caffeine. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, I I do drink coffee now, but for like many years, I didn't drink any caffeine, and that was a great life. I used to sleep so well, um, but Aww. nowadays I do drink my caramel coffee, which everyone thinks is disgusting, but yeah. I think it's fabulous. I'm very anti stuff in coffee. Like I'm a I'm a black <laughs> coffee drinker. And I'm also like clockwork Gross. is my coffee. Like I have my first coffee at a certain time and then yeah. I have my, my second coffee at 
a specific time and then after that it's no no coffee whatsoever no caffeine whatsoever mm. god mm. i'm old and boring <laughs> <laughs> no i think a lot of people Not can true. relate to that i think a lot of people can relate to that it's a it's very ritualistic isn't it if that's even a word yes <laughs> yes thank you um Validated. within the within the bc group we we all have our different skill sets and strengths and we've all i think i've realized certainly that grammar is not my strong suit because every time i write something there's just so many like okay this doesn't make sense let's just change this around let's do that <laughs> um i like how we've got to a point now as well where we don't I actually have never felt this with with be seen, but we don't really have to tiptoe around each other. I mean, I think overwhelmingly we tend to agree on most stuff, which I think is pretty miraculous so far. Mm. We haven't really had any big disagreements over the direction of the group yeah. or about how we should approach stuff. But in general, if there are differences of opinion, I think we're all really good at mm. explaining ourselves you know, we don't have to worry about anyone's feelings being hurt and people are so open and we've had so many great discussions about be seen, but about other stuff where we've just helped each other understand different things. And I think that's really great. I agree. I agree. It is a very, very safe space. And yeah. even if, we, yeah, I don't think we've had major, major disagreements about that. Considering there's six of us, a whole team yeah. of six. Yeah. And we've all been like, yep, we want to do this thing. Yep, we're going in the right direction. All sounds great. It's all been really positive and constructive, which I think is, is that's why it works so well. And we, we do all have such different skill sets that we can, that we play into. I think it's really, really special. Are we making people yeah. feel left out at all? Because they're not in the group. I don't want to make people feel left out. <laughs> Well, they're not, they're not, they might not be in the core group, but, you know, I, I think we've created a very open community. And, you know, like even on Instagram, when we put things on there and, and stuff, like so many people share it, like, and, mm. you know, support the cause, you know, while we might be doing the background things, I don't think it's just us that are being seen. True. You know, it's like, yeah. like you say, a whole British, everyone Britain's gets Eastern to be Everyone wants exactly. to be seen. How do you both feel from the beginning of when this all started? So obviously it was born out of something really traumatic for all of us and, and just frustrating to, to now. Still not over it, to be honest. <laughs> don't blame you. Still, still, I'm still in awe. No, seriously. Mm. Um, you know, when people, I don't know if, when you get feedback from friends and they say, oh, it's amazing what you're doing. It's so cool that you've you know, started from one point and found a problem and then just done something about it. It's so amazing. It's so inspiring. And I, I kind of feel like they're talking about someone else. Mm. And it, it takes me a while to register like, oh, shit, actually, yeah, we have done a thing. We've got this amazing group and this website and this, I suppose we have built a community. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't really feel real yet. But I think, you know, it's just the beginning. And just to come back to what we we're saying about we want people to feel included like it is just the start and if it goes in the way that we hope it's going to go then we'll just have this eventually have this really big diverse community where people can make connections and kind of have what we had to start with and mm. also i think that this has been a year where lots of stuff's happened lots of new things have sprung up like so many podcasts yeah and you know different groups have kind of formed and we're making connections between all of those groups and individuals and that's really cool but yeah still not over it <laughs> I think for me like it's been really eye-opening to 
this is going to sound really cheesy. I've just said it in my head, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, to kind of like find my voice, because obviously I've always had these thoughts, you know, I always feel like I've been very... Oh, my hands, my hands just sending me like love hearts on the um, screen. You can't see that, but there you go. Um, I've always had, you know, very anti-racist thoughts and, you know, wanted to stand up for things, but not really known where my voices fit in that. And while I do still think I struggle with that, I'm not like the most in-your-face person, confrontational. I, I, I do kind of struggle with that. You know, even just seeing the small things where I might have suggested a word, it might be changed in something, or I have you know, looked at something, um, someone's diversity policy and thought, you know what, that might not be the best way to do that. And, you know, put my two pence in, not necessarily confrontationally, but, you know, being able to verbalize those thoughts and to try and in the end, make everything more inclusive. I'm really glad that this has come out of that, that I have been able to kind of find that voice and I hope that it keeps going and I can keep standing up for what I believe is right. And, you know, making unheard communities heard yeah. or be seen maybe yeah i yeah. love that and it's it is true like i don't think necessarily you have to scream and shout you know we all have different approaches to how we how we tackle this like i think from me for me i i was very angry and i still am um and so i vocalized that just wholeheartedly went in on social media and just said exactly what I was feeling at that time but then there's also been people who have been quite not quietly doing it but just kind of doing it in a way that suits them and their personality style and how they usually communicate because both are effective in different ways like yes you can shame people into doing certain things but also you can guide them and do it in a way that's also constructive and both are still valid uh, yeah, right. and I yeah. think that's been really important for me to learn because obviously when, you know, things were kind of amplified around Black Lives Matter, etc. And then this kind of came along and everyone was sharing everything on social media. And I'm not that big on social media, really. Like I use social media, but when I'm bored, basically. So I'm not very good at sharing things. And I'm very aware that I'm not the person that shares all the resources, etc. And I think part of that does come from like I said before not necessarily knowing where my voice fit in that Mm. but I think like you say there's different ways to do things and you don't always have to be that obviously we need some people who are those people who are sharing the resources you know sharing the the whatever cause it might be that they're passionate about but it is important to know that like you say there's other ways to do things and if that doesn't suit you then there are ways you can make a change in your communities and your circles um without having to be that specific way there is different ways to be an activist yeah I've I think I've been I've, I've always been quite uh sort of mouthy and, and political and and very forthcoming with my opinions about things but you know it never went further than just sharing rants on social media or sharing um resources and you know for the last I guess year or two, I've been really trying to make a conscious effort to diversify my social media space and to follow more voices, more bodies that were different to mine and to make, I suppose, make marginalized groups more normal on my everyday feed because the world that we live in is so, you know, the world that you see on social media is not truly reflective of Mm -hmm the real world. So I've really been trying to make an effort to diversify those spaces. And I suppose I just realized that you are in total control of what you, I mean, not of what you see, because you can't control what people post, but you can control the accounts that you follow, 
you know, and I think that we probably all have accounts that we follow and influencers that we follow. And you just realize sometimes what, what, how is this serving me? So with, and Black Lives Matter and kind of coronavirus racism, that just catalyzed everything. And it suddenly made me realize why am I, you know, why am I following so many things that aren't serving me, aren't helpful? And I think it, things just, my priorities just became clear as day. And so I muted a lot of voices. I muted, unfollowed a lot of accounts that, you know, weren't showing me what I wanted to see. And it was then that I realized that particularly Instagram is such an amazing space for learning and mm. for education if you make it that way. Yeah. It can be so, sometimes it can be really bad for your mental health and for your, you know, your sense of well-being. If all you see is stuff that reminds you of what you're not, you know, if all yeah. you follow is fitness accounts or, I don't know, food accounts that, you know, you don't have, you can't relate to or that don't speak to you. And I'm not saying that I don't follow any of those accounts and I'm not saying that it's bad to do that, but just at the time, what I wanted was I wanted voices, I wanted activists, I wanted writers, I wanted, you know, different bodies, I wanted lots of diversity. And so, yeah, I think over this past year, my social media space has become somewhere that I really like to be now. And of course, yeah, I share stuff about my personal life, but primarily for me, it's become a source of education and sharing stuff and yeah i just so i've been overwhelmed by the power of social media i mean that's mm. how be seen was born and i remember the first few days where we like when we first created the whatsapp group it was just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages rolling in and i think it all kind of happened so fast and before we knew it we were in a movement before we'd even really realized that we were in a movement <laughs> yeah. and it was just like, oh, we're, well, okay, we're doing it. Okay, yeah, it's done. And so <laughs> I don't think I really took stock of the fact that we were creating a group when we were creating the group, if that makes sense. Yeah, same, because I think we initially created the group as a support group. <laughs> like even on our Instagram yeah. group now, it's called group. the, the oh, Can I say that? Are we oh, yeah, yeah, shaming David? Yeah, David Whitfield, we've shamed him plenty on the podcast. It's, <laughs> it's all cool. Um, but going back to what you were saying about kind of taking your own agency in terms of how you want to see things on social media, I think is really important. And and realising that you, you have the authority to do that yourself. If you don't want to see something, cut it out. We don't need it in our yeah. lives at all. And I've, I've certainly, Absolutely. I've done that recently, um, even with a few like friends or, or, or like you know, friends from school that I used to know that I don't, speak to that you haven't seen for 15 years yeah Yeah. i'm just gonna mute you and that's okay and and that's okay if people mute me as well because not what everything i every things that i say might not be relevant or they might not it might not be yeah something that they care about and that's completely okay as well because i'm sure i have been muted yeah if someone doesn't want to see then that's that's fine but if on the off chance someone you haven't spoken to for to for a while does see something you've posted and they find that helpful then that's great Mm. so yeah i I totally agree have you found and i think during lockdown as well Mm. like the lockdown in in the uk yeah i think also it was quite a difficult time for a lot of people seeing what everyone else was up to and feeling like you had to be 100 percent productive or you had to get totally ripped yeah you know working out from home or whatever it was that people (laughs) were doing i think that that was also had a that had a big part to play in this kind of agency that you're talking about is just choosing mm. how you the spaces that you move in and what you see because ultimately it's a period that's been really difficult for a lot of people and a period in which looking after your mental and physical health has been really important mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Have you found during this whole period, during like COVID racism, especially, that you've had friends come back to you and be like, that you haven't spoken to you and be like, oh, actually, wow, thank you for raising this. I didn't realise this was an issue. Yeah, Yeah. I've had um, quite a few people from like my high school and stuff that um, have been really supportive. I wouldn't even necessarily call them friends. I hope they don't listen to this and feel really offended by that. But like, you know, they weren't people I was close with or anything, but you know, they've been really supportive of the cause and sharing lots of the resources that we have put out, et cetera. So that's been really nice to see, mm. um, especially yeah. because basically they're white. So you know, <laughs> um, to have those white allies mm. is really important. And I think the yeah. fact that they are understanding the cause and the points we're making is really yeah. nice. Yeah same i've had lots of people friends and also like you say people i've sort of lost touch with over the years have got in touch and said i find what you've been posting really helpful or this is amazing and actually a lot of the people who volunteered to help with the the image sorting for be seen um sorting through that data a lot of those people were my white friends Mm. and some of them people that i hadn't seen or spoken to for quite a long time so that was really great that is Very so encouraging. Lovely. You've got such nice friends. The fact that they've taken the time. You've got to nice friends too. I've got no. I've got great friends. I've got really good friends. Um, yeah, I think I've experienced the same. Where I've just had people that I've not spoken to in years, just be like, "Thank you for raising this." Um, and yeah, you're right. I think um, I certainly have gone through a phase of like being so angry that I forgot that we needed we need the support of white allies like it's so 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 important and not to exclude them from the conversation and I think I've I think I've learned that the hard way to be honest because in my kind of journey of anti-racism so far I feel like I've been so angry that perhaps it alienates certain people and that's not what we want to do the aim is to bring everyone together and we need to do that in a way that yeah everyone can have their say um that's been quite important realization for me Mm. as a group we also talk about fluidity quite a lot and how your position on things and your identity and all of that is really fluid and i think the same goes for things like allyship Mm. of course it's really important for us to have allies in our cause but it's also important to remember that we need to be allies as well to different communities we talk a lot about how even within the east and southeast asian community there's a lot of kind of hierarchy there's a lot of colorism Mm. there's a lot of privilege uh, and lots of layers of privilege and that's something that's really important for us to be conscious of as we know there's also a lot of anti-racism work to do within esea communities against um, black or brown people that's really important and just seeing ourselves as you know fluid moving parts that are all part of this big system and and constantly being aware of that I think is really important and um I'm not really sure where I'm going with this I think it was just coming down to it's not always just that you know we have a, a problem or an issue or a cause and then we need allies it's like of course that's one part of it but we also need to be allies mm. in other areas and yeah change and grow such a, such a great point I think we we've all been very very co- cognizant of the fact that we are six um, cis women who, and then we have one Southeast Asian person, which is you, Mayan, in the in the group. And so we need to be very mindful of just not representing ourselves within the be seen as well. And we've talked about this quite a lot. 
um, yeah. in terms of just even representing more East uh, Eastern Southeast Asian male voices, um, LGBTQ+, everything, you know, yeah. all marginalised people. And voices need to be heard in, in all kinds Absolutely. of areas. Um, and so I think it, you know, we do, we do a good job of realising that. I think that's the first step is like acknowledging, okay, we actually need to... Have privilege, yeah. Yeah, we have the privilege there. And so we need to be responsible with this and how we use it. How do you feel then as being activists? Uh, has it has it affected your mental health at all? <laughs> Such a big question. Is this a therapy session? Charlie, you can go first. I would say sometimes when you're when you feel like you're constantly beating the drum and you know sometimes you might not get the response and the answers that you want. Sometimes that can be really difficult and really draining. But I would say that overwhelmingly, I think kind of being welcomed into this community and like you say, finding those friends that, you know, I've never had Chinese friends, I've never had East and Southeast Asian friends in general, you know, finding that community of people that do understand you has actually been more beneficial for my mental health rather than being a negative from my mental health in general with the whole, you know, being an activist, so to speak, because I think we've got such, we've, we, you know, we've become part of this amazing community and such a good support group that actually of course there's going to be difficult days but you actually have a whole community to fall back on then which previously when you know you might be your one person standing up for you know this one cause you kind of feel like you're doing it on your own um you know like i say if you don't get the response you want then it's kind of like oh well where do i go from here but to have that community to fall back on that can kind of bring you back up and be like no no we all agree with you let's keep going you know how yeah. can we help you um i think that's been a really positive thing i would say yeah i totally agree it's so nice just knowing that you have that safe space and you know that people will always understand where you're coming from and help you to unpick what it is you're feeling that's been really invaluable i think overall it's been yeah good for my mental health but of course there have been a couple of ups and downs i think particularly with social media obviously there's a lot of social media racism which we're trying to combat but sometimes it's just it's so draining reporting racism and just seeing horrible things online and i think you know i never really understood the importance of trigger warnings before yeah. um again that's a privilege i've you know i've been really lucky in my life to have you know not been hugely traumatized by lots of things before and that can be really really difficult but like charlie says that it is a kind of collective trauma i suppose you know what was happening to our communities and you know we both felt this when we would hear awful stories of racism you felt like it was somebody you knew it could have been a family member it could have been anybody and that was really really difficult but made better by the fact that we had this community mm -hmm. to fall back on and i suppose for me the other thing has been trying to figure out how this new part of me you know it was always a part of part of me that was always there but this new um sort of this new purpose i suppose how that fits in with the rest of my life and i'm a very busy active person and i think sometimes i have the tendency to take on too much and i guess finding where the boundaries are and finding how that fits in has been quite stressful i'd mm. say um but again the the group and the community has been so helpful in helping me figure out 
how to set boundaries and how to look after myself and how to safeguard my mental health because that's you know charlie says this a lot you can't pour from an empty cup i do say that a lot that's like a life <laughs> motto <laughs> and it's very true it's very true and i think it's very important that we recognize that because i both of what you said i've felt and echoed in the same way uh, just feeling extremely drained and we we put in as much as we experience the trauma we're also doing something positive with it and it's taking up a lot of our time like would you say this feels like almost like another job in itself yeah mm. i think but one that i'm very very happy to do and i think perhaps people don't really know how much work goes into what we do and how many evenings and how many late nights and how many weekends go into putting together what we've done and what we continue to do and it's not even just about the the work itself it's the conversations and you know there's we're in constant communication and I think that it's yeah it's it's definitely like another job but I'm so energized by it yeah I think in like like you say in terms of time that we've put in and that we've invested into it it's definitely you know equivalent to another job but I think with that old phrase of you know do something you love you'll never work a day in your life it doesn't necessarily always feel like work because you know we are all passionate about it and we all really care about the causes and kind of creating this space that we have been part of so I think it's a lot of time invested, but we're all pretty happy to do it. Mm. Yeah. Well, very happy to do it. And yeah. we're all there for each other when, I don't know, do you ever have days where, you know, you feel like you're really moving forward and you're part of something really big and you can see that change is possible and you make all these connections. And I've had lots of people reach out to me and say, oh, hey, I work here. You know, is this a helpful connection, et cetera, et cetera. And lots of amazing things have come out of it. But then every so often I just get a day where I see, I don't know, you feel like you've been saying the same thing and you've just been like shouting into a, you know, into an abyss when you see yet another article on the BBC or in the Guardian or whatever showing an East or Southeast Asian person wearing a mask and it's got nothing to do with, you know, with those communities. And you just think like, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> is anyone listening? I've, I've had a couple of days like that and you're just like, you feel very beaten down. But the difference is now, when I'm trying to channel my, I've got something to channel that anger into. And like Charlie said, I've got a group in a community that I know will always understand and be there. Whereas before, I mean, before we met, <laughs> I remember really strongly having a horrible evening. And I just had this email back from this, you know, white man uh, editor who was basically telling me when I was trying to tell him about racism and discrimination he was just saying no and it's so it is the worst feeling in the world mm. to be told by somebody who a has a lot more privilege than you do but ha who knows nothing of the you know the position that you're in to just tell you that your experience isn't valid and I was so upset and I remember saying to my partner I was really upset and I just said but where are all the other people like me and he made a joke and he was like oh we need to we need to get you some uh, we need to get you some Asian friends don't we and then it was like magic then out of the blue I just had this this voice note from Viv 
and I, you love a voice note <laughs> I had this voice note from this woman that I'd never heard before being like hiya you're right just wanted to check that you're okay because she'd had That's exactly the same accent because <laughs> she'd had the same experience as me and she'd had she'd been told no by the same person and I was feeling that same frustration I remember you said like I really need to go for a run or for a walk or something and yeah and I just felt so seen by somebody who I'd never met before and it really you will never know how much that kind of helped me that night I was feeling so oh I'm gonna cry <laughs> no I was feeling so rubbish and you just yeah that was a lovely thing to do so if I can ever reach out to somebody else in the same way like if there's someone else who's feeling like that one day mm. if I can ever do something that makes them feel seen or makes them feel okay then you know I'll at least have done something in my life yeah oh my gosh I feel teary just listening to you say that <laughs> oh I know I... Ah! Ah! <laughs> yeah I mean yeah never underestimate a voice note and sending it to a random stranger because <laughs> you just never know where it's going to lead um yeah, I all of those emotions. I don't even know. I'm just, I'm just crying right now. <laughs> this isn't what we thought we were going to cry at. No, I know. Oh no, no. And that's why it's so powerful. You know, as much as like you know, we have these documentaries talking about how social media is terrible. We also, at the same time, simultaneously, it's brought people together. We never would have met under any certain or any other circumstances at all. And I can't see this being like you know, I'm 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 the type of person to like pick up a hobby for a while and then drop it after a while as well like I've just always done that uh, but I just don't see this as like it's not a hobby it's like a lifetime dedication of well we've got so much work to do and I'm so happy to pour my heart and soul into it because because it's really making a difference like you can really feel that the change that it's making within our own communities and bringing people together and we've got a long way to go but we've also need to look back into what we've achieved so far like we fucking got it raised in parliament and we're arranging another meeting with them and we've had people share it like so many influential people share it within the networks yeah. people within their own network share it and it's just Shout ripples Benedict Wong we love him whoop, whoop. <laughs> I feel like I say his name at least once a week um <laughs> So it's, we are making such a huge difference, even though we've not made that change that we want yet, it's happening, it is happening. And we've achieved that in, what, a few, from April to now. Two and a half months. When did we meet? Is April? That when it started? Was April? it not April? July, July. Was it, was it July? April, yeah. June. Seriously? <laughs> July? What was I doing then in April? Okay. Uh, creating July. a podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. July. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. So it was, I think it was like mid-July 17th, something like that. 16th, <laughs> you got it in your diary. Everything. Gotta remember our anniversary, aren't you? <laughs> Monogging. It's, it's like we're all in like a long distance relationship. It's going to be so other. weird the day we actually meet. And like, I feel like we all know so much about one another so that it'll much. kind of feel so normal, but it'll also be so weird to not just be voice noting or WhatsApping or I don't voice note. You, you two voice note all the time, but I don't. Charlie. <laughs> I'm getting better. I've got so much to say. It's because so I've got such a big mouth. <laughs> it's so much it's easier. tiring typing. It it's is. so much easier. Yeah. It just makes so much more sense. <laughs> Um, so has the past few months helped shape your identity then in any way? Yeah, I think I'm like really overwhelmingly proud of my ethnicity and, you know, being Chinese, being, well, Chinese and, you know, Bruneian, 
I'm really, I've become really in touch with that. I'm, I didn't grow up speaking Chinese, or, well, didn't grow up speaking Mandarin, sorry. Um, but I'm now making a, more of a conscious effort to practice that with my dad, who probably hates it because I just text him in Chinese all the time. <laughs> um, but, you know, even just, you know, trying to get in touch with that again. Um, and I think it's been really nice and it has been really shaping and I'm, I'm really glad of that. And I can't wait to go back to China. I was meant to go back in November, but, you know, oh. that's not going to happen now. But like next year to go back to China and to keep exploring that side of me and um, that part that I haven't really delved into that much in the past 29 years. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, I definitely echo, echo those sentiments. I think something that the Be Seen group has really taught me is that it's helped me to feel validated about how I identify. And I think that, you know, especially for, actually probably for all for all of us, because we all, you know, we, we all grew up in the UK. Um, but, you know, for, for a lot of people who are mixed ethnicity, like Charlie and me, you do get a bit of imposter syndrome. And I had, you know, a very, there were lots of aspects of my childhood that were Vietnamese, but I'd say overwhelmingly, I had a very white British upbringing. And so sometimes you feel like you don't really have a right to claim your ethnicity. Um, we didn't grow up speaking Vietnamese at home. Um, you know, my dad, my dad was a white Englishman, so he didn't speak Vietnamese. We, I think I felt a bit out of place in a lot of circles. And something that the BC and groups really taught me is that I am validated in how I feel about who I am. And also speaking to people that I've connected with on social media, Yes, there were some things that were missing in my childhood growing up, but I also was really lucky to get to visit Vietnam all the time when I was a kid. I was so privileged that my parents were able to take me there at least, you know, once a year. We always went at least once during the holidays. And that's a privilege that lots of people haven't had. Um, you know, lots of Vietnamese people who grew up in Europe or who grew up in the States, they have never been back to Vietnam or they've only been once. And so I'm really lucky in that respect. And that's you know, something that maybe other people feel imposter syndrome about as well. So yeah, there's, there's that. And I think that I've definitely, like Charlie, I've suddenly, not suddenly, but I've become a lot more proud about saying who I am and the different parts of me and how that changes. Like I said, it's very fluid, mm. but I'm also taking the opportunity to improve my language. Um, I'm taking Vietnamese lessons. I send my mum messages in Vietnamese and I've sent her uh, a couple of videos and she was actually, she's been really supportive. Oh, uh, she nice. did then message me a few days later being like, don't worry, we'll work on your tones. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's been really supportive and she's also, I think, really proud and happy that hopefully one day I will be able to have a, a you know a much more fluent level than what I've got now um and I can't wait to go back to Vietnam I was we were again we were supposed to go this year but Auntie Rona took care of that mm. so yeah I'm really looking forward to the next time I can go back and yeah I'm just feeling really excited and really lucky actually to be who I am I feel very lucky to have all these different aspects of my personality and you know my identity and a friend recently said to me it's been so nice to see you exploring that part of you 
online, it's really nice that you've been sharing it with people. So yeah, I feel very emboldened, I'd say. I think that's really interesting what you said, Mayan, about um, like you were privileged enough to go back to Vietnam, you know, most years, because when I was younger, I, I think I've been to Brunei twice in my life. Once was when I was like six weeks old and once in 2001. Um, and then I've been to China. I've been to China once when I was younger, but you, you know, so I never felt that I could lay any claim to being Chinese or being Bruneian because, you know, I'd never experienced that life. Um, you know, I, I didn't even speak the language, etc. So it's been really eye-opening to see that that isn't the defining feature of whether or not I am Chinese. I am Chinese because my dad is Chinese and because I am Chinese. <laughs> like, like yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't have to have been loads of times um, and it's really nice now to have been more so I, when I stood at university I went to live in China for a few months and I went to China in January as well and it's really nice to kind of reconnect now but that doesn't you know just because I didn't do that earlier doesn't take away from the fact I'm Chinese. Exactly and even if I never learned Vietnamese that wouldn't make me not Vietnamese yeah exactly yeah although there is nothing worse than when you meet another vietnamese person and they're so excited and then they speak to you in vietnamese and you're like sorry yeah <laughs> I've like i used to live in edinburgh <laughs> edinburgh edinburgh is really really white and there's um there's one vietnamese restaurant there it's very good and i was so happy when i found it and um I remember going there and Jodie, the owner, she was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And she started speaking to me in Vietnamese and I will never forget the look on her face when I was just like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it is, it is, um, it can be quite invalidating and then you almost feel like, okay, I, I really can't, like you said, Charlie, lay claim to the fact that you are, you identify with um, your ethnicity in some ways. But, you know, that's that's also the beauty of like, who we are and how diverse we are is that we can yeah. identify in so many different ways however we choose to and like you said Mayan it is fluid like I think I certainly have gone through the the gambit of like you know trying to assimilate to white culture and erasing a big part of who I am and then just I just reclaiming that in the past few months like just identifying with the fact that I'm Hakka and that's something that I've never even explored. Yeah. I've never even talked about with anyone. Unless someone asked me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, um, I'm Hakka, but I would never talk about it. And, like, meeting the likes of Carly and then discussing it on the podcast and finding out so much about yeah. half of my identity that I'd completely forgot about is it, really so empowering. Cool. Yeah, it's really empowering. And I think... I mean, you will, because you will never not be Hakka, mm. you know, that's always going to be a part of you. And similarly, yeah, I, I'm, I'm half white and I will always be half white, but also people will always racialize me as Asian. Mm. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't have to, I, I don't have to pick, Yeah. but you know, the fact of the matter is, is that I will always be who I am and you know, people will never see me as fully white and I, I'm and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So now we're gonna move on to the final segment of the podcast. I don't know whether you guys have heard of this before. Uh, 
I'm going to sing. <laughs> You're going to sing. Yeah. Be one That's why I came on the podcast. <laughs> A, to be famous, and B, for this to segment. To be famous. I think you overestimate how many people listen to my podcast. How Asian are you? My God, that's so Asian. <laughs> oh, shout out, shout out! I can to give John. you the answer already. It's fifty percent. <laughs> there we go. That's it. Don't yeah. even need to do the game. Don't need to play the game at all. So obviously, you know how this goes. If you listen to it before, you get a point if you can answer yes, and you don't get a point if you can't answer yes. Question: Do we get bonus points? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? See how it goes. You know, I mean, there's no prize. So even if you do get five what? out of five then the competitiveness the... of uh, my yeah. animal self is coming out we're like no we need bonus points we need a prize <laughs> <laughs> we need to know we're winning this i wonder how i can make it into a prize thing but i don't know who are we even competing against this is not what be seen is about <laughs> no i know it's segregating us this is problematic how many points did this is get not a segregation week? project segregation Ooh. very good very good <laughs> question number one has anyone ever told you that you're exotic looking yes <laughs> yes <laughs> so many times do you think that comes more from being dual ethnicity at all i used to get told i look i looked malaysian quite a bit quite a bit mm. and i don't i don't know why i don't know what the defining features of a malaysian person is but i assume it's because i've obviously got some white features and some um chinese features but yeah yeah, it just makes you sound like a like a like a fruity drink, like a yeah. cocktail. Yeah, like a like a Rubicon drink, like exotic. Mango. My my tie. Yeah, my tie. Yeah, exactly. So you've had it as well, my Anne. Oh my god, so much, so much. <laughs> okay. It's, well... and especially like it's often men, like men who are trying oh, to come yeah. onto you. Oh, oh, obviously. When I think <clears throat> of this question, I just think of men. Full stop. Full Men stop. and this one particular really racist old white lady that I used to know. <laughs> used to know? She, is she still around or? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. She was pretty old when I knew her. She so might, she might be dead now. So. <laughs> well, away That's dark. That's dark. Sorry. Let's stop. Let's stop. Next question. <laughs> Next question. Actually, I do have something to say on this. So what, uh, very recently, I've not told um, anyone in the BC group about, it, about this, but um, I <gasps> matched with someone on... I dare you keep something. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, matched, what? I matched with someone on Tantan. No, this is not exciting. This is just like annoying. So then... Um, I voice noted him because that's the way that's where I like to communicate through a voice note and then he just replied back saying I did not expect you to sound like that and I was like what do you mean like how did you expect me to sound and I said you expected me to have a Chinese accent didn't you and he was like oh no I didn't I didn't uh, I just wasn't sure you know that you, you sound so well spoken but actually yeah you know given, oh. that, given that this is a Chinese dating app then I did I did kind of expect you to have a Chinese accent you know so you can't blame me really and I was just like if they can goodbye I didn't White expect man. you to sound so well spoken. What what does what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, because I had a because he's from he had, he had a Leeds accent, very Yorkshire accent, and I I don't know I'm from Warrington. Was it like a northern thing? He expected you to be not well spoken because you're from Warrington. I have no idea. Yeah, it's just so so problematic everything that you said. So I unmatched him. 
I remember um, I studied Chinese at university, but it was like beginners Chinese. So basically um, you could you could be at any level. So there was lots of um, non-Chinese people. In fact, the majority were non-Chinese people. But, um, you know, like before you go to university, you kind of find people who are in your course on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, and you connect. So I'd been talking to this person. She might listen to this, and I'm, I wonder if she remembers this. Um, she's very, very lovely. And I remember when we first met, she was she was like, oh, I just expected you to have a different accent. <laughs> and what I was accent? like, why? <laughs> and she was like, I don't know. And obviously she meant yeah. she thought I was going to have a Chinese accent. Mm. Um, and mm. bless her, I think she actually felt quite bad for that. Um, but yeah, it's funny that people just, because I, I don't even think I look that Chinese, if you know what I mean. I obviously look mm. Chinese, but I'm obviously not fully Chinese. You know, you can tell I've got mixed ethnicity. Mm. So I think it's really interesting that people even do that to me as well. Yeah. Well, it's like the story, I've told you both this story before, I think, but that pub that I used to work in in Scotland, once there was one of the regulars asked me what I was studying at uni and I told her I was studying English literature and she was like but your English is nearly perfect <laughs> nearly not quite nearly <laughs> just like no and I, I, I just went oh thanks yours is not bad either <laughs> there's so many things wrong with her saying that now, that's not the reason why you study English literature as well is to get better at English there's just so many things that are wrong with that let's move on from that <laughs> So you both get a point. Yes. Well done. Question number two. Have you ever felt not white enough and not Asian enough? Yes. Yes. Every day. <laughs> I no, no, I'm thought, joking. Joking. <laughs> when I grew up, I always thought like, because obviously I grew up, like I said, in a very white community and, you know, I kind of stood out like a sore thumb. And I always thought one day I'll go to China and I'll just really fit in. Like I'll blend in. It'll be fine. Then I went to China and I did not nope. blend in at the, in the slightest. And they were all like, oh, you look like Avril Lavigne. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> the only white woman that they know yeah. is Avril and I, Yeah. And I was like, I stand out like a sore thumb here. Too. So <laughs> yes to that question. Oh, I stick out like such a sore thumb in, in Vietnam, well. especially when I was, yeah, I'm tall. Mm. And yeah, I'm, I'm tall. And I also would often be with my dad who is a you know was a, a big white guy mm. and oh I don't even want to get into what people might have been thinking but yeah, yeah people would stare and also because I've got um my hair is brown it's not it's not black yeah. so people would I don't know if this has ever happened to you but people would like touch me in the street uh, like people I didn't know they would touch my hair oh my touch God. my face yeah very terrifying when you're a small child and but it yeah. would happen to me into my teenage years as well oh it's just so inappropriate isn't it like why why would they ever think that that was okay to do that no idea so i think was. that yeah it's it's i guess culturally very different as well like mm. in vietnam you know people people if you've got a child people will touch your baby and and mm. you know it's 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 yeah it's very very culturally different whereas you know in the uk you would never touch a random person's baby <laughs> that's very true okay question number so you get two point you both get a point for that question number three 
Have you ever had someone say to you that you look like, and then insert Asian celebrity? So you obviously, well, you can... Mylene Class. Mylene Class. Is she? Is she... I'm like, I'll take that. She yeah, mixed. I had lots of she's, she's she's mixed. Yeah, yeah, I think Jin, so. Jin. But pe- people also say that to my sister, who I think looks more like Mylene Class than I do. Mm. Um, but still, I'm like, yes, I'll take it. <laughs> Give it me. I'll have it. I'll be here. Yeah, I'd like my own in class. I think mm. um, I've been told, well, one time I got new glasses and someone told me I look like Gok Wan, <laughs> which oh. is so problematic in so many different ways. I'm sorry. Um, I'm laughing because I've had it. I, I used to have Gok Wan glasses. That's why I'm so laughing. <laughs> Like, and I remember I got them, and you know, I really like my new glasses. I was like, mm. look how great I look. And then someone was like, you like got one? And I was like, <laughs> so oh. Much. Yeah. It's all right, Charlie. I've also I've also had um short round. Short, short round. What? Short round from Indiana Jones. Google it. I'm googling okay, right now. Google short, short round. round. What the fuck? Oh my god! What the fuck? <laughs> Why? No. Why? He's a small Asian boy. Did, did you have short oh. hair? Did you? Like, no. What? That's so funny. Because racism. He's quite cute. Because like in, in like a child. Because racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are actually hilarious. <laughs> oh. I could have also said like, yes, people also say, oh, Lucy Liu, etc. Yeah. Et oh yeah, Lucy Liu but, had that you know, one that's before. That's standard, I think. So, so, the yeah. majority of <laughs> yeah. SEA people, it, well, God, women. God. Have had God. That. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. God. I'm so sorry, Charlie. <laughs> I, I tagged one so many times when I was trying to get the petition shared. He does not. He he assimilates the fuck. He does not. Mm-hmm. no yeah i remember one time when he had the cooking show didn't he with the chinese food so he did chinese cooking show what? yeah he had mm. oh, he used to, yeah, i can't he remember what it was on show, yeah. but i remember my dad watching it and was like what is he doing <laughs> what is he like, doing i don't know he's doing Making it chinese wrong. food he was like this is not the chinese food <laughs> There was a bit of a scandal earlier this year with his brother, where his his brother is also a cook as well, and he was um, trying to teach people how to make. I don't know. It was like a Cantonese dish, like shredded beef or something. And then he put on his advertisement, social post, uh, "Let's chink it up." And then a lot of Chinese people went in on him and said this is problematic. And of course, he was so defensive and like started saying that we're being sensitive. All the support that he got was from his white audience saying that, don't worry, you haven't offended us. It's like, don't so worry, funny. me being a white person is not yeah, offended not, um... by a slur that's not derogatory to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've definitely like, you know, there was a, even a period of my life in high school where, you know, people... I, I say, I mean, other um, Chinese friends actually, you know, and me included, were trying to like reclaim that word. No, no, mm. <laughs> no, no. Realize now that was just internalized racism talking. Yeah, no, I think I've done that as well. Definitely when I was in yeah, high school definitely. too. Yeah, I agree. So no shade. No shade. Let's hope he learns. No hey. shade. Let's hope he learns. Yeah. Um, question number four. Has someone ever pulled their eyes at you? So it's like the slanted. No, you don't have to do it. Motion. Yes, I just. <laughs> right. I don't know whether that was clear. Sorry, sorry. No, no, I, I, I know. It's yeah. It's it's yeah. Yes. It was a th- I feel like it was a thing in ch- in primary school as well. Like the, <laughs> Such a the thing. song. 
What song? Chinese, Japanese, something, oh, yeah. something about someone's oh. knees. Oh, the one that's like my mum's Chinese, my, mom's my dad's Chinese, yeah, my dad's Japanese. Japanese. So I ended up like, like this. this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, oh, this is like oh, traumatic. We, we used to do that as a joke towards all. ourselves as well. Yeah. Somebody actually Look. did it to me last year. So oh my it god, still happens. How did you react? Um, to I find that? it. Yeah. Um, I was absolutely dumbfounded, to be honest. Mm. I think I just pushed it to a part of my brain that meant I didn't have to deal with it because I find it very triggering, yeah. very upsetting. Yeah, I'm sorry, that was a triggering question. That's okay. Uh, last question. Has someone ever said to you, I have a thing for Asian girls? <laughs> yes! Blah! 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 Have you, Charlie? And it's so like, oh, when, when, especially if like someone likes you mm. and then other people say, oh, it's because he's got yellow fever. Oh, not because I'm amazing and have a great <laughs> yeah. personality and yeah. really cool and fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really date that much, so I haven't had, well, yeah, I've not really been in that opportunity to... I'm glad. I want to say that to me. Oh my god! I just <laughs> put down. I, mean. I just put down a point for you. Just assumed. I just put one, and you hadn't experienced that. No. Yeah. I just. Assumed. I mean. Yeah, I've never been in a relationship for a long time, so. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm sure probably at some point someone has said something like that to me, but. You know, oh, what? I think I'm happy repressed. with me and my cat. So. <laughs> I just saw I Vera just come down the stairs. I know. Oh, Sorry if you can hear Vera, Vera in the background. Oh. She yeah, herself. I think that yellow fever is one of the most insulting. Th- Ugh, I hate that phrase. It's horrible. Yeah, it's gross. It's horrible. I, I remember being on a date with a with a man once who we like. I, I found like, I was instantly attracted to him. I thought it was going well, and then I asked him the question. Oh, so have you ever dated someone who's Asian before? Because I always like to know. And then he was like, no, but I've always wanted to. And then I was just like, oh, oh, oh So I'm just a tick box. Yeah, stop, stop. He, he was quite problematic. He, he called his ex a psycho as well and everything. I was just like, nope, goodbye. We're not going to engage in this discussion. Okay. Well, that's five out of five questions. So, Mayan, you get five points. And Charlie, pop, you pop, pop, pop. four points. So, well done. This doesn't... Four points, but with a disp- disclaimer, because I don't date, so... Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, Viv, there's a small part of me that suspects that you might choose these questions based on the people who are coming on the podcast so that they'll get points. Yeah, there is there is something problematic about the way <laughs> I put together the questions. I do have... I feel like I'm running out of Asian stereotypes and tropes, so I go back to this list that I have, and I pull out random ones, depending on who I think... Who I, how I oh, I think react. I can probably think of a few. Yeah, you can, do you, you wear flip-flops around the house? Yeah. I don't wear flip-flops. Def- yeah, I can think of... I'd- oh, oh! You wearing them right now? Oh, here we go. I thought you were going to pull your whole leg up then. <laughs> oh, no, I could do that, but no. Um, yeah, yeah, there we go. Flip-flops inside. I hate being barefoot inside. Same, me too. I've well, slippers, you have but a, not flip-flops. Yeah, but a when it's... in your drawer hot. for chopsticks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Don't have a drawer. Do have a drawer? Yeah, for cutlery. What, you don't have a drawer? Have a Why do you keep pot? your cutlery? In the cutlery, in the cutlery organiser that normally goes in the drawer, but yeah, that's just what I mean. on the, on the counter. Do you not have a section in that cutlery? Cut, I can't say that word. Cutlery organiser. The only person who uses chopsticks in my household is me. Yeah, I don't use. So we don't have that's that many. <laughs> oh my god! When my mum found out that I didn't have any chopsticks, her face was just like. <laughs> so she gave me some from her personal stash. When she found out that I didn't have any cooking chopsticks, she yeah. was like, what? 
Yeah, we've got plenty. We can send you some as well. They're so handy, so handy. Yeah, taking your shoes off, that's the, that's a, that's a big one. Or shoes, yeah, indoor shoes. Yeah. Um, what All else? All the support that he got. Was I was going to say, do you have one of them? I don't know what it's called, but you know when you've got a walk and you steam something so you have like a, a dish where you're steaming stuff Metal and then you've thing. got the thing that you can use to like like yes! a grabber the grabber so out the steam yeah dish. do we have a grabber like, we have a cloth I could, I could show you one but that's not useful for a podcast it's like a, it's Ooh, like I've a got another it's, one like just like two it's like it, yeah, and it like scoops up yeah. all the parts kind of come together so, pick up the bowl without burning your hands really clever my dad bought them one i've never used it because i don't yeah i don't steam i don't steam so i don't i don't know how that works maybe when you move into your new place i'll buy you one where do you where where do you buy your rice and in what quantities because if the answer is tesco uh, 500 grams then you are not getting any points oh so i i probably really don't get any points because i actually quite like uncle ben's rice because it's so convenient i know stop oh i don't buy my rice in the chinese supermarket either but my mum does and she actually when she last came to visit me she bought like a really big colorful basket she was like this is going to be perfect for keeping my rice sack in. oh that's so cute and she actually took because she got two suitcases to travel home with mm. so she like it was a massive basket yeah and so she like packed it full of her clothes and had it like um you know when you get suitcases shrink and stuff wrapped. cling films mm. yeah shrink wrapped at the airport she did that and, oh and now God. it's where she keeps her giant sack of rice i love that yeah. my, my mom actually she has like a big red tub that we've always had and it's it's always been filled with white rice but because it's just been us two living at home she's just started buying like uh, small packets of like pilau brown rice she's she's branching out of the rice category now it's not just white anymore she's trying different what, things no what you need is you need a microwave but this doesn't work for my own because she also doesn't have a microwave <laughs> but a microwavable rice cooker it has changed my life it'll give you rice Wait. like you get in the rice cooker but with a little tiny Wait. portion what Whoa. i've never heard of this is incredible so you put it grains of like rice in eight pound yeah, so you put your rice in, put your water in, put it in the microwave for nine minutes. It all does its thing, and then it comes out like rice cooker rice. Whoa! Whoa. I'll send you a picture. Game after. changer! This fantastic. If you use a rice cooker, like you can't just make one portion of rice. Well, with this you can. It's called. Although I said you know this to my mum, and she was like, "Why would you need to make one portion of rice?" <laughs> yeah, it's just make... <laughs> you know, <laughs> she lives alone. Um, what do you call them? Like Tupperware boxes. Mm. Systemo is that what it's called? It's that brand but you get like a rice paddle with it and everything. It's fantastic. I need that for me. You do. It was the best investment I bought. Investment when you Investment. If you want a tip, you... <laughs> you want a tip not, my house. Out, not my house that I bought. <laughs> no. Best this, investment. This rice Micro- cooker. Eight pounds microwavable rice cooker. Oh my God, yeah, it sounds Yeah, I think incredible. I got it on offer, so it might be a bit more expensive in general world. That's but I think okay. it's like maximum 50 pounds. 15. <laughs> I'll send my... you a picture the rice cooker like oh my god if there was ever a more iconic thing in my mum's kitchen like the rice cooker is older than me it's this like (laughs) little bright orange rice cooker that she's just had for a million years and it still works it still works it's it's like yeah it's just a yeah that's a vision that i associate with my mum's kitchen it's part of the family part of the family part of the family yeah she bought me a rice cooker when i went to uni and um in the first week one of my flatmates knocked it off the counter and broke it. And I told my mum and she was like, <laughs> hated that girl. I'm not surprised. Ooh. I'm not surprised. Oh, that is so sweet that they bought you a rice cooker. <laughs> well, the other Obviously good thing about this important. rice cooker 
um, is you can't break it because it's plastic. I mean, you could break it, but that'd be really difficult. Mm. I'll send you a picture. Honestly, you need to get one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely. It's so I'm stereotypical. It is. We started talking about stereotypes and actually we've just spent like five minutes talking, talking about, about rice. rice. Sometimes they are <laughs> true. Sometimes they come from the truth. Oh, can I ask you my question? Wait, I think I yes. have asked you this, maybe. Yeah. Would you rather give up rice or noodles? I give up Actually, rice. the question is rice, noodles or pasta, but I suspect that you'll all say pasta. So rice or noodles? Give up rice, definitely. I'm, I have noodles probably three times a week and rice once a week. But that's like a, a northern southern thing, isn't it? Is it? As in what, north, south China or north, south yeah. UK? I, I'm sure it's like, I don't know which way around. Obviously, I haven't been to China that much. But like, I remember discussing this when I lived in China with this Chinese person. Mm. And she was like, yeah, if you're from the north, you like rice. Or not even the other way around. If you're from the south, you like noodles. And I was like, oh, mm. interesting. I think it's... I just feel like yeah. you could replace rice. But I, I feel like I could make my peace with not having mm. rice. Because I could, I, you know, but, you could have other stuff, no, but you can't. What do you can't replace noodles? But rice is so versatile. Noodles. Think how like rice is underrated because think how many different cultures like have rice as their main staple. So true, you've got it in like story. True story. Chinese, in Indian, in Africa, all of well, basically yeah. all of Asia, Africa, yeah. Latin America. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. true story. So you can have such a diverse like range of foods with rice. Whereas noodles, I feel like you can. But not to the same extent as rice. But noodles, you can have like soup noodles. You can have dry noodles. You can have rice noodles. You can have now we're just listing noodles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with rice, and you, can you can instant have noodles. Rice, instant noodles. You yeah, can have cup noodles. You can have rice pudding, so you can even have a pudding. You can have yeah. Don't care about so that. Don't care about rice pudding either. To be honest, uh, oh, I love rice pudding. I, asked, I did ask my mum though, and Congee, like to be fair, watched her mum. Exactly. I watched her mind explode, but she did think about it for quite a long time, and then she was like rice. Can never give up rice really i couldn't i i think i'd pick rice pick i rice? love rice because no, there's also nothing better you know when you've had a really rubbish day having a bowl of rice with soy mm. sauce that is like yeah oh, my mom me and my sister my sister and i were talking about this the other day because like a big snack for us like and i'm pretty sure it was she her she taught me this big snack for us when we were in high school come home from school it was always always cooked rice um rice with like rice cooked in stock with a big knob of butter in the middle butter in rice oh, oh yeah my that god so good oh my god that sounds incredible last oh, night my mum made just... oh go on go on no go on you tell my me what made you want to hear fried this. rice with pork chop cutlets and sorry my aunt vegetarian <laughs> pork chop cutlets with melted cheese on top it's like a hong kong thing or is it a Korean thing? <laughs> Both of our faces right you now. No Korean. You ruined it no. with the pork. So the <laughs> it was so tasty. I didn't send Should you. No, you I didn't send you a photo because I was just like because it had coriander on it. It had no coriander this time actually. But yeah, the melted cheese it does something. You know, melted cheese in Asian food is so underrated. I think it's a it's a convinced. Korean thing. Korean or. Yeah, I've, yeah, I have seen it in certain places, but mm. that is not that is not my bag. It, I, I, it did it for me. I'm really hungry I'm, though. I'm talking about, about rice, I haven't eaten yet today. You need to eat. You need to eat. On, on that note, we're going to end the podcast because we've got yeah, we've 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 got a lot of content. We've talked about a lot here, and it's been we didn't even high, touch on it? like so many of the bits that I thought we were going to talk about. I know. 
I know, and it feels like... That might be my bad. I think I've blabbed for quite a long time. Like I said, I have got a really big mouth. This is what we wanted. We wanted it to veer off in different ways and it's been amazing. So thank you for coming on. Do you you want to share your socials or anything you want to plug? Be seen. (laughs) I don't care care about my personal Instagram. Go go follow Be Seen if you're not already. Um, It is a progressive movement to improve um, your to, to promote promote positive representation and visibility for East and Southeast Asian people in Britain. So go and follow it's B E S E A dot N on Instagram and B E S E A underscore N on Twitter. And we've got a website as well, bc.co.uk. Please go and check us out. Yeah, I agree. If you actually want to see any form of content, don't come to my social media because <laughs> I am rubbish at it. Go to Be Seen instead and sign up to our newsletter and sign up to our network because it's going to be, I'm really excited yeah. for where it's going to go. We want to have a party. We've had quite a exactly. few really cool people sign up to it. Well, we've, all the people that have signed up have been really cool, but it's incredible how fast that list has grown, actually. Yeah. So many different industries and Mm, sectors. So interesting. And I hope that everyone feels really welcomed. And like, I think the fact that we've had so many signups, et cetera, you know, points us in the right direction. But, you know, I really want people, like, I'm really excited about it. And I really want people to join us, like, on the journey. Um, Because, like we said, it's not just us, it's like a whole community. Mm -hmm. And come be part of our community. Come be part of our community. Come and join the party. Come and join us. Come and join us. Oh, you're making it sound a bit culty. Yeah, no, that was was my aim. (laughs) Come, come play with us. We're not a cult. (laughs) We're not a cult, just to make that clear. By the way, we're not a cult. (laughs) There is no membership fee. Yeah. Oh, idea there. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. joking all right well thank you very much to you both Mayan and charlie oh, thank it's you pleasure. that was really fun yeah it's been a pleasure thank you thank you but where are you from